0: Hey everybody, James Shepard here with the Merchant Sales Podcast. Excited about today's episode. We wanted to do a replay of the live event that just occurred a few days ago regarding compliance surcharging and going after the QuickBooks merchants. I can't think of a larger opportunity for the ISO agent community to tackle than these home service providers and other merchants that send invoices and use QuickBooks. And so I've got an interview coming up for you with Garima Shah, who is the president at Biller Genie. Um, Biller Genie is a paid sponsor. They're a company I've worked with for quite a while, done a lot of different things uh, for them. And so that is a paid sponsor, paid advertiser, however you want to look at that. Um, but I really believe in what they're doing. It's a process agnostic solution and something I'm really passionate about. So without further ado, let's dive into this live event recording. And I hope you get a lot of great tips on how to sell compliant surcharging to QuickBooks merchants. All right, we're going to get started here. I'm really excited about this event today. So we're talking about selling compliant surcharging to QuickBooks merchants. And I'm really excited in a little bit to introduce uh, Garima, uh, president at Billergenie, and talk a little bit about their feature. But I really want to start this out today by kind of zooming way out and talking a little bit about our industry. I'm going to go through a couple of um, concepts with you guys today. And uh, then we're gonna make it a little bit more specific. I love doing these live events because I am so passionate about helping the ISO agent community find really unique opportunities to grow their portfolio, especially as we see the payment space really transitioning and changing to become, you know, much more about integrated payments and about verticalization. And so it's really become a lot more complex. And so, certainly there's an opportunity to just walk down the street, walk into merchant locations and sell those locations. I had several consulting sessions with sales teams today that are doing exactly that with success. Uh, We're getting a little more creative about the way we're approaching it with content and things like that. But at the end of the day, most agents and ISOs are looking for new approaches, looking for new ways to make these things uh, work and to build profitable portfolios. So I've got Four words I want to talk to you about real quick, and then I'm going to introduce uh, Garima. So I want to zoom out and talk about four things, zoom in and talk about how this kind of uh, goes to this particular market segment, and then uh, and then interview Garima. So the first thing I want to talk to you about is competition. I've been talking a lot more about this lately in our content, but the idea is, who is your competitor, right? Who is your competitor? And as we think about the competitors in the payment space today, I think it's easy to fall into the old trap of saying, well, I'm competing against, you know, uh, Elevan and TSIS and North American Bank Card and Beyond and Heartland and um, Evo, you know, and everybody else, all the other kind of ISOs or what I would even call a lot of them, these like legacy organizations that, um, you know, are, are using the same model that you're using. And if you've been out in the marketplace, you just know that that's not true. Right. That's not who we're competing against today. Who we're competing against today is all of the ISBs, all of the, uh, you know, pay facts out there. Think about Toast stripe these are the types of companies we're competing with are these big technology companies that have now integrated payments into what they're doing you know you think about the isv market today and how these isvs thousands of them are popping up many of them are backed by venture capital or uh you know other investors or other outside uh, money and they're they're going after one specific vertical and trying to dominate that vertical and if you look at any vertical out there doesn't matter how small that vertical is whatever that business type might be if you go online and search for software For that vertical, you're going to find usually a dozen or more prominent companies that are vying for that one little sliver of the market, that business type, and going after it with integrated payments. And so, as we see this in our industry, competition has not only heated up, but competition has also significantly changed, right? Competition has changed. And that's a really, really big issue for us because we have to adjust our approach. So, number one word here is competition. Number two, is service. So we look at our competitors and we say, okay, what do we have that they don't have, right? What do you have that Square doesn't have? What do you have that Stripe doesn't have? What do you have that Toast doesn't have? And as a general rule, when we look at these technology companies, they're really not presenting a footprint in a local market to provide a high level of service. I had a really interesting um, Zoom today, a a demo that I did actually with... um, Uh, with somebody and uh, is a local restaurant and, you know, using one of the big names out there. And I was really blown away by the extent to which that company had not educated this merchant on what the technology could do. Right. And when, when I was able to demo a different point of sale solution, I'm actually making some content around this, this idea. And so many of you will get to see this video. I, I recorded it, but as I, as you know, we started to demo what this system could do Um, he was really blown away by the efficiency and, and how it works and all the things that it did when in reality, most of the things that he really liked, probably his current point of sale system would do, I would imagine, but nobody ever took the time to understand his business and help him to apply the technology and the features to his particular situation. That's something that we, as ISOs and agents, that's something we can offer that many times our competitors cannot. Right. And so we have this idea of service, um, next we have the idea of differential pricing now um i don't know how much longer it will be until the squares and you know stripes and uh, and intuits which we'll talk about in a minute and any these others are going to you know really go all in on these ideas of of different types of differential pricing where we have a you know, a higher price for certain types of payments, whether that's cash discounting, dual pricing, compliant surcharging. Um, But this is a huge competitive advantage. Again, going back to the conversation I just had a few hours ago with a local restaurant owner, you know, he's going to save about $65,000 a year by implementing compliant dual pricing in this case at his restaurant using some handheld uh, devices for servers. So not only are we showing him how to use these features to his benefit, but we're also implementing differential pricing to dramatically cut his cost of card acceptance. And so this is something that again more from a marketing perspective and distribution these big competitors just haven't really gone all in on that yet, right? So we see how to compete, we see service, we see differential pricing, and then finally the next thing that we see is technology. Now I'll be honest with you, it's actually pretty rare these days for the ISO agent community to be able to offer technology. That where there's not a huge competitor that has significantly better technology, right? Or at least the same, if not better, technology. Um, it's actually pretty rare these days, right? The, you know, it's, it's no secret that companies like Toast, for instance, have a fantastic technology suite, right? Um, and so what we have to do is we have to go more narrow and we have to look for these opportunities where we can bring technology to the market, number one, that maybe serves a particular niche a little bit better, Right than other competitors would, but even more importantly, like I already discussed with service, the idea of bringing technology and showing the practicality of how that technology is going to work to solve a very specific problem for a very specific, um, you know, type of merchant. Right. So you know, technology is a big one. So let's bring these together. We have service, differential pricing, and technology. So what are we talking about today? Okay. Well, first of all, let's define the market segment. Okay. And, and obviously, uh, Garima is going to speak to this in a few minutes, but there is this huge market segment out there of card not present merchants who are doing invoicing. Okay. I mean, so many of them are using QuickBooks that it's almost not even worth discussing the people who aren't, honestly. Like, there's hardly anybody that doesn't use QuickBooks in this market segment. But these are businesses like, think about home service providers right? Your, your HVAC, your electrician, your landscaper, plumber, right? Those types of things. But there's so many other businesses out there that provide all these different services. You've interacted with them before, you know, the company that put up the fence in your yard, the company that you bought the, the playhouse from for your kids and they came out and installed that or, you know, whatever it is. And then there's so many others. Think about, you know, legal professionals and just, you know, SaaS companies, gyms, you know, there's so many of these companies out there where they're sending some type of invoice out to their customers to get payment. So So it's a card, not present environment. They're using QuickBooks. And so I cannot express to you how huge that market is. It is massive, huge, huge opportunity. And it's one where the ISO agent community has a very, very tiny sliver. They really have not done much uh, with that one. Okay. So what about these three? What about the, the competitors? Let's start with that. Right. So the competitor here is Intuit. All right. Now, I want to explain something here to make sure you all understand this. So when we talk about QuickBooks, right? QuickBooks is owned by Intuit, all right? And Intuit has QuickBooks, which is a accounting software, right? I don't want to compete with QuickBooks, okay? I think that would be a very expensive endeavor and probably very futile. It wouldn't work very well because QuickBooks is awesome and everybody uses it, right? Um, But then there's also Intuit also owns this Intuit payment processing, which is integrated into QuickBooks. And when I go into our QuickBooks account on a regular basis, guess what I see? I see a little button that says, activate your merchant account, <laughs> right? Um, they want me to start processing payments with them, okay? And so as we think about into it, right, a couple of things to keep in mind here with them. Number one, they have an overwhelming market share for this particular market. And honestly, without good reason. I mean, the only real reason is their integration with QuickBooks, which I'm going to talk to Grima about here in a minute. Um, where even that really isn't a superior integration. It actually has a lot of issues with it, but they are integrated with QuickBooks. And that's their really their kind of only claim to fame that they have. Um, and so, you know, we have Intuit. Now, the other thing we have is we have this idea of service, right? So in with this, how can we service people? Well, let me ask you a question. How many of you think that Intuit is getting, giving fantastic customer service, <laughs> Right. It's non-existent. there is no customer service whatsoever, right? it's it's non-existent. I mean, it's absolutely terrible. Um, and so as we think about this, we think about the the service aspect or we can go out and service these merchants, right And then we think about differential pricing. okay what do these merchants want? Do they need a cash price and a car price? Um, no, right? what they want is they want compliant surcharging. Now I'm going to get into a little bit more of that with Grimo, but I'll give you the 30 second version here. So, if I'm processing transactions that are $500 on average for like, say, an HVAC provider or something like that. Well, the issue here that we're going to have is I'm not hardly doing any debit transactions and I'm doing next to no cash, right? I'm not really doing very much cash. So for me to go to market and say, I have a cash price and a card price it's possible. And Biller Genie actually offers that, but it's not as attractive. It's not as intuitive. No pun intended. You're going into it, but it's not quite as intuitive because... I need to have a cash option or another option. When we do compliant surcharging in a card not present environment where people are clicking a link to pay, it makes it makes really good sense to them. They're going, okay, I can pay with my credit card and I'm going to have this fee, or I can pay with a debit card and I'm not going to have a fee. And so, while when we think about physical locations, smaller average ticket, you know, the restaurant, the retail store, the auto repair place, dual pricing makes a lot of sense in that environment because we you know have a lot of cash transactions, um, but also because Um, in those environments, there's a lot of debit. So if we give them compliant surcharging, many times it doesn't save them very much money because they're running a lot of debit, right? But in a card not present environment, we're not running as much debit, higher average ticket size, a lot more credit cards being used, and we don't really have a viable cash option per se. I mean, of course, you can pay with a check or something, but it just doesn't make as much sense um, to the merchant. So what we've seen historically is compliant surcharging has taken off. And so I can tell you from multiple consulting relationships over the years, Compliant surcharging is the way to go right now with these merchants. They are just much more receptive to compliance surcharging. There are companies that have built huge books of business going after this exact vertical, uh, these verticals with compliant surcharging very successfully. And so I've seen it work. I know it's something that they're very receptive to. So what are we left with? Well, we're left with technology, right? What are we gonna do? How are we gonna offer them technology? Well, of course, Bill or Jeannie, the sponsor of this particular webinar, they have created processor agnostic, uh, you know, uh, technology that is going to work for these merchants, and so it allows you to put your mid, and then have Biller Genie integrate your mid into, uh, you know, the the Biller Genie model and the QuickBooks model. So it's your payment processing account, you know, there's, they support just about every gateway out there, but then it integrates together and it offers compliant surcharging. So, with that being said, I would love to introduce our special guest tonight, and that is my good friend, Garima. Thank you. Awesome. Garima, how are you doing today? Doing well. How about you? I am doing fantastic. So uh, excited about this event. Excited to talk to you about compliance surcharging, as I know you and I have talked about it quite a bit. Um, Talk about what got you started on this and wanting to to bring compliance surcharging to the forefront for this uh, segment.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, obviously, as you know, James, I've been in payments for literally my entire life. And we talked a lot about what the ISOs need and what payment partners are asking for. And compliance surcharging is such a hot topic item across the board for our partners, for our banks that we work with, and ensuring that we had a solution that took all of the onus off of them and was compliant across the board so that they didn't have to worry about fines or worry about anything that Visa or MasterCard might do was really important. So that's really why we made
0: this feature. I love it. So, you know, I was kind of trying to present how big the opportunity is, right? But you obviously have been involved in it so much longer than I have. What is the addressable market here? Give our our audience some concept of just how big this opportunity is in terms of what kind of portfolio they could build.
1: Yeah, it's huge. Um, So for me, again, like I said, been in payments my whole life and I always sold retail and restaurant. I thought that that was kind of where it was at. Right. Um, And as I've started moving into this side of the business more on the software side, It is such a market that we forget all the time. The CNP market, B2B market, we just forget about it. And if we think about the U.S. has about 32 million SMBs right now, over 55% of them send out invoices and of that over 83% use QuickBooks. I mean, it's over like 14, 13, 14 million um, small businesses that are an addressable market that all send out invoices and all use QuickBooks are consistently having this problem of a better way to pay, a better way to
0: collect, a better way to surcharge, and all those other things that come along with it. Yeah. You know, you know one of the things I thought about that's so interesting to me, Grima, is. When you think about, you know, the, the retail and restaurant, you know, marketplace, and we look at all the external kind of factors that we have to deal with as, as payments professionals, whether it be competition from DoorDash, um, you know what I mean, uh, competition from all these ISVs, even the idea of like, these companies have competition from Amazon, and from other huge competitors, right. AI is going to play a big role in this, right. And so we have all these kind of external components, then I think about the guy that comes out and fixes my fence, you know, it's going to be a long time. Before he's worried about AI stealing his job or you know what I'm saying? Yeah,
1: we haven't quite yet
0: been in the world of robots yet. Right. You know what I mean? So it kind of feels to me too like this this particular segment of the market is a bit more future-proof, would you say, to kind of compare it to the the other markets that people are going after these days?
1: Yeah, I would say not only is it future-proof, it's less price sensitive. The margin hasn't been compressed over time. There's, you know, they're they're still looking for alternatives. They're just trying to run their business as a small business and they're not getting pitched 565 times a day and is trying to save them a penny. Right. Um, so I think that there's a lot more value that we can also derive for those businesses.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. So, so here's what I thought we do. Let's, let's zoom out for one second. I want you to really talk about what are some of the other challenges that these businesses face? I don't want this whole event to be compliant surcharging because that that right that fits into a narrative of the all the different challenges these businesses face with invoicing and everything else. So give our group today our audience a little more context of what the challenges are these particular businesses are facing and how you kind of see the surcharging feature as like fitting into that narrative.
1: So let's talk about your fence guy, right? You you mentioned your fence guy, we'll talk about your fence guy. So the fence guy comes out and he's using QuickBooks and he has to somehow bill you and you somehow have to pay that bill. So he's using QuickBooks and that's it. And now he builds your fence and now he's trying to figure out how do, how do I get payment? So he's asking you for Venmo or Zelle or PayPal, or maybe he's going back to his office and he's doing Stripe or Square invoicing and he's sending you that bill. And so now you've got to pay it. So you're sending him a check. You're calling him with the information. You're going to host a payment page, right? It's kind of clunky. And now he has to go back and deposit that check. He has to see how much money he's got, check his Venmo account. So it's just a lot of steps for the fence guy who really just wants to be building fences, right? It's a right. lot of work for him to do all of these little things. He's not trained in accounting. That that seems crazy. Right. Um, so what we do at Biller Genie is we automate that entire process. So the fence guy can just go out and build fences, right? He goes out and builds a fence. He's using Biller Genie. He says, James owes me 10 grand. James apparently has a really big fence, guys, just so you know. <laughs>
0: (laughs) (laughs) I actually really do, so
1: go ahead. That's fine. (laughs) You know, hey, James. James owes me ten grand for the for part of his fence he that's all he has to do and then we take over our sync goes back and forth with quickbooks we're sending out that invoice we're taking care of the customer we're making it easy for that customer to pay so now you're james is going on he's clicking a button he's making that payment he's paying with credit card ach he's all done it makes it easy for him and the merchant the fence guy is like oh my god i've got my money we're reconciling in quickbooks we're seeing the transaction go through we're handling all of his receipts and just doing the whole process so again the fence guy doesn't have to spend the extra 10 15 hours a week doing that billing And when we talk about surcharging, for the most part, these businesses were taking a lot of checks and have been taking a lot of checks. And they are worried about the cost of payment acceptance, frankly, because their average tickets are higher. And, you know, you got a $10,000 fence. I'm not really looking to spend 3% on taking your credit card for doing that. And I'll just wait another 40 days to get my check and then I'll go deposit my check. And so. Having the option for businesses to offset the cost of payment acceptance really allows them to have a more omni-channel approach on how they work with their customers and meeting their customers where they are. and that helps the business gets paid faster. We know with interest rates get make money on that money faster, put the money back in their
0: business. There's so much more that they can do with that. Mm, awesome. Okay, so let's shift gears one more time. And I want to talk about Bill or Genie a little more specifically here. So, um, you know, there's very few people, I think, in the world that understand how complicated it is to create a compliant surcharge that is processor agnostic. Um, I happen to be one of those people since I've worked with different companies that have done it. Explain a little bit to our audience today about what this means, what is compliant surcharging in a processor agnostic you know, solution? What does that mean? Give them a little context of this new feature, if you would. Yeah, so that's actually what took us a while
1: to get the feature out, is to ensure that we were processor agnostic and ensure that it was fully compliant. And you know, um, th- that was complicated because right now we're integrated in over 20 different gateways and we're adding gateways. I think we just finished the cert today of two more gateways. So we're adding gateways every month And so to be compliant on one gateway. Also, we know that a lot of our payment partners and professionals out there work with more than one processor and work with more than one gateway. So to have a solution here but not over there makes it difficult. So what we did is we built our own tool utilizing Visa Mastercard's database to ensure that we're scrubbing for BIN and we're checking on our side to ensure that it's a credit card. We are ensuring that the states that they're, we're allowing it in are the right ones. So we're kind of taking out those four excluded states. In Canada, we're capping it at 2.4%. In the United States, we're capping it at 3%. We're giving the pop-ups the right way for the, for the customer and the merchant to be aware of what they're getting into and what kind of um, situation that they're about to enter into. So that that's really where the the time on this build came from, is that we wanted to ensure that the customer experience and that the merchant experience And more importantly, we are a fully partner-driven organization. So the partner experience should feel the same regardless of what processor and or gateway they may be using.
0: Got it. Awesome. Um, Talk about customer experience. So it's always a concern. We're talking about surcharging. Um, It's really funny. I I actually have had several... You mentioned the fence. So ironically, I actually paid money to have a fence put up and uh which is one of the reasons i brought that up um but you know recently we got a big uh like a playhouse thing for my i have a three-year-old and a five-year-old you know and so they they want we want to get an outside you know i don't know what you call them but big playhouse and uh they come and install this thing and when we went to buy it i was like an hour away from my house at the place that had them and so you know they print out their invoice and i'm like well it was like you know i'm like what how do i pay this and they're like well you can just, you know, write us a check. And I'm like, I don't have a check, (laughs) you know? And like, well, you have to pay for it to get the date, you know? And it was like a month away. And then, you know what I mean? They get way out. And so what did I do? Well, they told me that they would just charge me a little extra to pay with my card. I whipped out my card. I paid for it. I was done with it. I didn't want to, I didn't want the hassle. You know, I just wanted to be over with. So, you know, I think customers are definitely, you know, that behavior is being programmed now or we're a little bit more like we understand, hey, I'm gonna use my credit card right now. That's gonna cost this merchant. But how did you approach the customer experience? I know I'm sure that was really heavy on your mind when you built out the surcharging feature. And how does that really work for for the end, the, you know, the end user that's actually paying this invoice?
1: So I think that at the end of the day, surcharging and all of that and and having a good customer experience is all about customer options. And it's about giving, putting the power in the customer's hands to make the decision on what is the easiest and most consumer-friendly way to pay. Like I always talk about Amazon and say that like, Amazon is the reason why I have 50 packages outside my house every single day. It's because, I mean, it's not because I shop. No, no, it's because of Amazon. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's their fault. (laughs) Right, it's their fault. Because I think of something and the moment I think of it, before I can even process that, do I actually need it? I've already pressed the button on Amazon and somehow it shows up in two days. And they've made that customer experience so easy for me that it takes any pain out of the buying process. And I think that that customer experience needs to be that way across every single channel that consumers are. So me as a consumer, whether I'm paying my lawyer, whether I'm paying my fence guy, whether I'm paying Amazon, I need to have that choice to make it easy for me. And maybe what's easy for me is to write a check. Maybe what's easy for me is to use ACH. But in right. most cases, like you, what's easiest for me is to use a credit card. And I want all those points, right? And I'm okay with someone taking 3% because I right. really do want those points. So for our us, our customer experience was very important that we gave that um option to the customer so we said things like as soon as the customer sees that invoice and it says it's a hundred dollars for a fence if they pay by card it says an additional three percent may be added or whatever percentage you decide to put in there for surcharging additional three percent may be added if this is a credit card as i put in my card number as we bin scrub it if that is a credit card, it'll say, hey, FYI, this card is going to be charged for $103 like it was a credit card. Would you like to go back or would you like to continue? So again, as a customer, it gives me that option to say, I'm totally okay with the 3% or absolutely not. I'd rather pay with another payment method. Maybe it's a debit card, maybe it's ACH. Maybe I'm gonna write this guy a check, but at least it gives that customer that option. And as you said, I think as consumers, we're becoming more understanding of the fact that surcharging is just the way that it is. It's the cost of doing business. I love it. So
0: when we think about um, compliance and I know neither of us are attorneys, so this is not legal advice. This is not professional advice. This is Grima and I just sharing our opinions. um, But you know, what do they need to understand about compliance as far as what does Bill or Genie actually do? What's the scope of what you're taking care of versus what do they still need to be talking to their ISO and their processor about to make sure that they're doing the right thing for the merchant?
1: Yeah. And again, I love the disclaimer, definitely not an attorney. So <laughs> anything I say confused against me, <laughs> but I would say that ensuring that they have told their processing pot- that they are surcharging is important. Now, the card brands have removed the requirement of the 30-day notification period back in April, but they do have to notify their processor that they are planning on surcharging and or that they are surcharging. Outside of that, everything else is handled by Billergenie. So we are handling the compliance in terms of the bin scrubbing. We're handling the compliance in terms of the geolocation. So where someone is located and what states they're allowed to. We're putting a cap on the amount of surcharge being allowed. So you can't surcharge more than 3%. And we are capping that within the system. Um, and you know, there's, there's kind of a couple other things in there that are all around compliance surcharging around the pop-ups and how they show up and that the customer is aware. But we are taking care of all of that on our end to ensure that our partners are always in that realm of compliance and not having to worry about card brands coming after them um, for doing something that may not be considered the most kosher.
0: Got it. Love it. Awesome. You know, one of the issues that I was thinking about when I was thinking about this event, Grima, is that I think our audience may not be as familiar with some of the challenges in building a card, not present portfolio versus card present. And what I mean by that is with card present, you're never really concerned about volume. And what I mean by that is, you know, if I sell a merchant doing $50,000 a month in volume, there's really nothing I'm going to do to get them to be doing 200,000 a month. Like, you know, It's they do 50,000 a month. That's what they do. Now they may open another location or they may grow, but that's not nothing, nothing I can do about that. Right. Whereas in a card not present world, talk a little bit about this, this issue where merchants a lot of times even maybe discourage card acceptance. And and do you see surcharging playing a role in maybe even increasing volumes uh, in this particular segment of the market?
1: That I love that question. That's a great question. I was actually just talking to one of our large partners about this last week that we have seen categorically approximately a three X same store year over year growth with our merchants um, because they're in the card not present space. And so for many of them, they either weren't taking cards before and they weren't taking electronic transactions or they were, and it wasn't easy. So if you think about the way that you pay in a card not present situation, kind of what I talked about before, whether that's Venmo Zelle, you know, one of these other peer-to-peer payment methods, or you're writing a check, or you're going to a hosted payment page, and it's kind of not secure, and you're entering your card details, or you're calling someone, they're keying it into their virtual terminal. Those are all very difficult on the consumer. So as a consumer... I'm not making the easiest choice for payments. I'm just saying, well, how do you take a payment? Let me make it. So we see a lot of these merchants and we ask them things like, you know, how much revenue do you do? We don't usually say, how much do you do in merchant services? We say, how much revenue do you do? Right. And they'll say two, three, four, five hundred thousand 500,000 a month. And then we'll talk to their payment provider. And they're like, oh no, they do 20. And we've had customer after customer, merchant after merchant that has gone from like, in fact, the customer I'm talking about is a pool company. I was talking about one of our very large partners. I happened to pull it up, and they had done about $60,000 in monthly revenue, monthly processing, kind of right. every single month. They turned on Builder Genie in September. And in the month of September, they did $280,000 in processing. The merchant's business didn't change. It's not like they all of a sudden started servicing more pools. It's just that all of those people who are paying them via check and other payment methods, all of a sudden were like, wow, this is so much easier. I've got this on my phone. Let me just click a button and make a payment. Let me just enter my card details. This is so much easier. I don't care about what I pay. And then also from a merchant perspective, if they can offset that card acceptance, then they're not as wary about allowing their customers to pay in that method. So for the merchant, what we talked to merchants about is they get paid on average about 47, 50 days faster than they would get paid otherwise. So they get paid faster, money in the bank faster. And it just makes it a better experience for their customer. They have things like auto pay and everything else on. So it makes it easier. And now they're offsetting any potential cost that they could have for payment acceptance. And it just streamlines their process without costing them a bunch of time and money
0: love it. Very good. Yeah. I, I just, I think that's one of those really important things because it's, I think, I guess I think surcharging is an interesting add on for you guys because it kind of fits into that whole narrative, right? It's like, you're already doing all these things that make card volume increase. Well, now with compliance surcharging for those, for those merchants that have been even discouraging it and saying, well, we don't want to take cards because we don't want to pay that 3% for those credit cards. Now with compliance surcharging, these agents and ISOs can work with those merchants and say, well, hold on a second. Let's do compliance surcharging. If people really want to pay with a card, why would you stop them? It's not going to cost you anything anyway, you know, unless they're doing debit and then the cost is going to be minimal. So, you know, why would you stop that? So Greenma, thank you so much for your time today. Real quick, let's give out this info again one more time. So it's partners.billergenie.com. You can go there and start your journey there by just doing a self-sign up. You don't have to be a Billergenie partner or anything like that, but you can go in there and start your journey there. And then also, I believe you said it was partners at com. Is that right? Is the yeah. email address? Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Any Anywhere else you want to send them to learn more about you or about the company? No,
1: just if you go to our partners.billergenie.com site, you'll find our email address. You'll find all of our content. You'll find James a million times telling you all about all yes. that we do with a lot of training material. <laughs> So, um, you know, it's definitely the place to be. You'll also find information on any of our live events, any of our webinars, any trainings that we have, new information, so definitely where you should go. And if you ever need anything, please, please, please find us. Email us at partnersatbillardree.com. We will definitely respond very quickly.
0: Awesome, Grima. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to share insights with our audience today. really appreciated it and wishing you great success with this new feature. Thank you so much for having us. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast.